a number of advisors actually believe we don't need to do anything differently for our male and female clients, that's what's got to change. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. Today I am joined by Leslie McCormick. She is the Senior Wealth Advisor with one of Canada's leading wealth management firms. She's been advising clients for over 15 years, and she is the co-author of a book that I really like. It's called Why Every Woman Should Plan Financially to Be Single, Even If She Is Not. She is the founder of Plan Single, a financial information center seeking to improve women's confidence in their financial knowledge. Welcome, Leslie, to Breaking Money Silence. Thank you, Kathleen. I'm really excited to have you on the call, and anybody who's been following my work knows that I love the whole topic of boosting women's confidence. And so today, you brought a money myth that is one we've talked a little bit about on the podcast before, but I really thought we should revisit it. And that myth is men are more financially literate than women. So tell me, Leslie, why did you pick that myth to bust wide open today? I've been doing a lot of work uh, in in working to understand why women feel less confident financially than men. And I'm really seeing this gap as being tied a lot to mindset. It's what we tell ourselves. And perhaps what we tell ourselves is actually a product of what society tells us. And the myth that men are more financially literate than women is one of those messages. Now, you know, let's be honest. There are a lot of research papers out there uh, that has reached that very conclusion. Um, but however, and, and this is a big however, CPA Canada conducted research into this very idea that men are more financially savvy than women. But instead of just looking at male versus female, which is what a lot of that previous research has done, they included other factors. They considered age, income, education level, and the big five personality traits of openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And the study found that when they take sociodemographic, and in particular, when they take personality traits into account, gender looks a lot less important. Ah, oh, that's when these fascinating. Other, uh, that's fascinating. I just want to yeah. jump in real quick. I'm sorry to have giggled at neuroticism, but sometimes I um, joke with my husband that that's what makes me endearing. <laughs> <laughs> so what did they end I up? I like it, but but I 
But I hope it doesn't make you a compulsive buyer. It does not. It does not. I'm not even a recovered compulsive buyer. So I've certainly worked on my relationship with money over the years, but that was not one of the issues. So Leslie, back to the research. What, What does it say about who is more financially savvy? So it actually concludes that when you factor in these other um, important considerations, women are not very different at all when it comes to being financially literate. In fact, the results suggest that as an industry, so financial educators, advisors, news providers, that we should actually give greater consideration to gender roles and differences, to socioeconomic differences and personality differences. And this is really, really important. This is what got me, that it's important to understand the differences and how we relate to money. They actually say that this is a warning to the industry that we aren't responding to the needs of women. And I have to agree, it's not that men are more financially literate, it's that we simply aren't communicating financial information in a way that women can relate with. I love to hear that, Leslie, because I couldn't agree more. I, I also think when we talk about financial literacy versus being financially savvy versus financial confidence, that it also depends on how it's defined. Because I want to check out this study you're talking about. I had not seen it previously. But some of the other research that's out there that just talks about gender, the differences between literacy is a couple percentage points, but the difference between confidence is bigger. But I think the big message that I want to bring home that you're saying now in terms of this myth is that the industry is not doing a great job, I think, with men or women around encouraging them to be more financially savvy. And I, I have to agree with you, Kathleen. And a lot of it... You know, if we strip out, you know, if it's a woman we're talking to or a man we're talking to, and we actually first stop and try and understand their communication preferences, right? Maybe we can adjust how we're talking to those people and in a way that regardless of their gender, right, we can communicate more effectively. And, you know, that confidence gap, you know, it is a huge gap between men and women. But what people forget is men, it's actually pretty low, their levels of confidence too. Absolutely. And and I love that about the communication, because there's all sorts of different lenses that individuals look at the world through and, and look at their relationship with money through. One's a gender lens, but then the personality, uh, the socioeconomic factors, all these other factors that you mentioned, I think are really, really important. So if the it's a myth that men are more financially literate than women, what would the fact be? How would you restate that to be more accurate? I would have to say that men and women are equal in their capacity to acquire financial knowledge and become more financially literate and confident. Excellent. And so if men and women are, you know, have an equal capacity, I like that term, equal capacity, um, I know you very much focus in on really helping women 
become more financially confident. And so you're looking at that part of, I don't even want to say the market because they're 50 to 51% of the population, but you're looking (laughs) at those types of clients in particular, especially with your work in your latest book, Why Every Woman Should Plan Financially to Be Single Even If She's Not. So tell us a little bit as to why you decided to focus there. So in our advisory practice, of course, Everyone is getting a little older, right? And we're working with more and more widows. And what we're finding is so many are finding themselves in a position of adding financial stress on top of what is already considered to be one of the most emotionally challenging times that anyone can go through. And there's just so many if-onlys, And, you know, what we can't really say in the meeting, but what we've come to understand is a lot of those if onlys or those negative surprises really could have been avoided if that woman had been part of the financial decision making along the way. If she'd just been informed about where the finances stood, we wouldn't have had the surprises. You know, she could have much easier focused on the grieving process rather than having to stress about getting the finances under control and wrapping her head all around that aspect of things. When, uh, again, just that bit of engagement, you know, we always say you, you don't have to r- drive the financial bus, but you've got to be part of the navigation, you've got to be part of that decision making and, and understanding where, where all the pieces are of that household's finances. So do you see a generational difference in terms of women and their level of involvement with uh, the financial advisor or planning for their financial lives? To be honest, no. And in fact, um, this is this is quite surprising. It was really surprising to me. Um, but you may have seen the survey from UBS uh, that came out called Own Your Worth. And it actually found that millennial women were abdicating the financial responsibilities to their spouse at a higher percentage rate than other demographics. Yeah, I did see that. It's so discouraging because we both of us are working so hard to make a difference in this area. So what advice do you have for somebody who is in their 20s or 30s that happens to be a female, whether she is single or in a relationship or married with kids? What what should she be doing differently? It's a great question, Kathleen, and, and it's one that uh, I think you're working on trying to answer as well. Uh, that realization that 90% of us, and you know, I've seen this at range from 80 to 90% of us, will end up responsible for our own finances at some point in the future. This isn't a chance, quite frankly. It's, it's an inevitability, right? So if you can simply be part of the conversation, attend the meeting annually with your advisor, uh, be part of the big picture, where are we going, Right. You will do yourself such a service in the long run. And it's probably the number one thing you can do to protect yourself as well. None of us knows what tomorrow is going to bring. Right, right. And, you know, the average age of a widow is something like 56, but that doesn't mean there aren't people who are widowed sooner, uh, certainly people who are widowed later. And, And so is the advice any different for somebody who's 40, 50, 60 and listening in? It's not. 
right? Uh, I think what's harder is if you started out in your 20s abdicating the responsibility and you find yourself 60 trying to suddenly become part of the conversation can actually be harder. Yeah, because I imagine it depends on the couple's dynamic, right? So for a long period of time, you've said, oh, you just handle this deer, or maybe by default, you didn't even have a conversation about it. My experience has been with uh, with those those circumstances where it is the, the male coming in to the meetings uh, and, and not bringing uh, his wife actually bringing it up about the importance of her being here and saying, you know, when can we schedule a meeting that we don't have to talk about the investments, but we can talk about the big picture, where this is going, what the direction is, um, and why. And it's interesting, they sit back, their eyes open, and they're like, you're right. They actually become engaged in wanting their spouse to be part of the conversation. Well, and some of the work that I do training financial advisors around being couple friendly kind of dovetails this a little bit, Leslie, because, you know, one of the things I like about what you said is you didn't say, will you bring your wife in? What you said was, when can we set up a time to meet with both of you and how can we make the agenda work for both of you? That agenda is so important, right? Um, Making that agenda about them rather than us. So I'm going to I'm going to ask you a really big big question. So what do you think you and I and other people listening in that are really passionate about making sure that everybody has an opportunity to be financially literate? What do you think we can do differently going forward to you know we're both chipping away at this but I guess there's part of me that's like I want something big to happen. Well, you know Two-thirds of advisors don't believe that men and women need to plan differently. Um, And that statistic, of course, is around plans. But I, I think it's not a leap to actually extend it to include how we communicate, right? What the things that we focus on are. Right. That, you know, if if such a number of advisors actually believe we don't need to do anything differently for our male and female clients, that's what's got to change. That if we can inspire advisors to recognize that how we're doing things might need to change if we're actually going to make any sort of dent in the confidence gap or improve financial literacy, if we can recognize that our clients have different needs for how we communicate with them and if we can tailor what we do to them, if we can link you know, the investment strategy to the actual investment and sorry, financial goal, right? If we can make that connection to the outcomes that are desired more, I think we're going to engage in much better conversations with our clients. Um, and so, I think the big thing is, is we need not just to reach individuals out there, but we need to change the advisor community and open their eyes to a new way of doing things. So really, it's a systematic change in terms of the industry. And and I won't get too lofty this afternoon, but there's a lot of different uh, layers to this from a societal standpoint as well, which we'll be focusing in on going forward on Breaking Money Silence a little bit uh, more closely. Um, But to get back to this issue of the financial services industry, again, Leslie, you tend to work 
um, differently. There are a lot of folks that I meet that are advisors, wealth managers who do understand and appreciate how to be truly client-centric, whether that's looking through a gender lens or, or a different type of lens, such as personality, communication style, something like that. Uh, what are your last kind of words of advice for someone who's listening in that's a, a woman entrepreneur, maybe a female breadwinner, or even someone who's at home with the kids and, and maybe you know, abdicating her responsibility right now in her financial life? My advice would be to recognize the good you are doing today financially. Personal finance is such a big topic. There's so many different areas, and we all have strengths in some of them, right? And understanding that you can build your strengths, know where you're starting from, and take it one step at a time. Right. There is nothing to be afraid of about being in control of your finances. And, and I don't mean that from having to take over everything, right? But I mean from an understanding of where you're at today um, and building on that for tomorrow and take it one step at a time. Tell us a little bit more about the book and where we can uh, purchase a copy. So the book very much starts with ideas for how to build financial confidence. Um, and, and that includes things like, you know, maybe it's understanding what your values are. What do you actually truly value in life uh, and linking your finances to those values? It might even be something like creating a motto for yourself to be able to run different spending decisions and planning decisions by. Uh, it's about taking it one step at a time with things like understanding uh what comes in and what goes out and, and your budget, but understanding that budget is the art of balancing being responsible about today and smart about tomorrow, right? And, and really how to build fi a lifetime of financial independence one step at a time uh, without any sort of financial jargon. I think that's where we lose a lot of people is the moment we bring in financial jargon uh, and, and we relate it to everyday life, um, those experiences that you have. Um, so, so the book really is about how to achieve a lifetime of financial independence. And it's an important message for all of us that we simply need to be involved. That is a great place for us to end, a great call to action. Why every woman should plan financially to be single, even if she's not. I have so enjoyed our conversation today um, and breaking money silence with you. Thank you, Kathleen. I've really enjoyed being here. If you've enjoyed this conversation, stay tuned because we're doing a whole series on women, money, and power. Uh, definitely subscribe to Breaking Money Silence on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a question or a guest suggestion, feel free to email me at kbk at breakingmoneysilence.com. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.